What's up, golf addicts? Welcome to another edition of the Tour Junkies podcast. And we do not stop. Even though the tour is winding down, we are still going to produce good content for you. And we've got a great interview for you today. This is a guy that's been on tour forever, since 2008. Won for the first time in 2013 at the Tampa Championship. He's won the par three tournament at the Masters, actually. Lives in Scottsdale, Arizona right now. And uh, you know what? He had a fantastic year on tour this past season. How about a T8 at the PGA Championship, top 15 at the U.S. Open, and a top 20 at the Open Championship? And we love this guy. Love watching him. That is Mr. Kevin Strillman. Strills, welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Good intro there. I appreciate that. Thank you. I figured I was going to fumble a little through that because DB. No, you did well. But uh, that may well. have been my best one ever. Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was. I think yeah. it was. First off, I just want to know, you know, what's your secret to staying on the PGA Tour for so long? You know, you got all these young guys coming out every year. <laughs> They've got all this new equipment and their fancy stuff that they bring to the driving range and whatever else. And, you know, the, the game has become longer and, and more precise. So what, what's kind of been your secret uh, to success over this long period of time? Oh, man. You know I, I feel very fortunate. I haven't had a major injury yet. It's a huge knock on wood for me. Um, I think a bit of it is smart practice. You know, I'm always kind of looking at my stats, my strokes gained, where am I losing, where am I gaining strokes and trying to work on those aspects of my game, try and take away really any weaknesses. Um, you know, I just feel fortunate. I, I love what I do. I love working at it. I love being in the heat of the battle and like in those moments. And, um, it's just been a blast. But I mean, it goes fast. You mentioned that. So this is my 15th year <laughs> out there. And, you know, I remember being 27 and getting out there and just like being this rookie, this bushy eye, just running around, played like 34 events my first year. And my wife was my fiance at the time, Courtney, now my wife, obviously. But um, we had so much fun those first few years. And then slowly you introduce kids to it and you're dragging them around, staying at residence inns and eating at Chick-fil-A at four 30 and like, you know, just, just like getting through the day. And then now the kids have started school and activities and now I'm kind of out there traveling by myself again. So it's kind of a different, uh, it's kind of a different era for me and a different uh, part of my, my tour life, but I'm loving it too. I mean, I've become really good friends with some of these young guys, Scotty Scheffler, I ate with them three times in a row last week in Sea Island. Taylor Gooch and I have been have become great buddies. We share a bunch of wine together and just kind of I love mentoring. I love like being the big brother to a lot of these guys and some of the caddies and like just kind of sharing life things, you know. It goes so fast. I'm 40, just turned 43. Um, just bought a sick minivan. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Sweet. I just it's crazy. It just goes so fast and and um but I'm still having a ton of fun. I really, I think that's probably the biggest key of it all. Just enjoying what I do and I feel blessed to do it. And I'm having a lot of fun doing it. So. You, you said something interesting there when you're talking about mentoring and, and talking to these younger kids out on tour. I mean, when you're doing that, is it more about their golf or is it more just like life on tour and your experience yeah. and, and that kind of thing? No, it's more about life on tour. It's just, and, and that's just life in general, right? I mean, our lives are, are unique <laughs> to say the least. Um, when you miss 30 weeks a year at, at your home and your neighborhoods and you miss birthdays and weddings and anniversaries and family stuff, you know, you need to have a core, uh, group of friends and, uh, people you can rely on 
when you miss a bunch of cuts in a row, just as important as if you win a few tournaments in a row, like you need that solidity in your, in your game, but also in your heart and like in your existence and your being out there to know how, how you work in this circle. And I love talking to kids about like financial stuff. Do you have a good advisor that, you know, are you putting, what are you putting away? Where you, where you staying at this week, stay away from that hotel. A place is a, is a dump and, you know, eat dinner here. This place is a little like hidden gem in Tampa that only, you know, a few people know about like just stuff like that. I, I love doing, I love that they reach out to me. And um, like I said, just kind of being like a big bro to, to some of these guys. And, and then when they hit it past me, I love hitting my seven iron inside of their nine irons. So I let them know about that. And also, yeah, I'll do it as uh, long as I great. can. I love it. I love it. You know, have uh, you talk about them hitting it past you though? Have you ever toyed with, um, you know, maybe adding swing speed? You know, that's the big yeah, deal. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I here's a kind of a crazy stat. My rookie year on tour in 08, I think I averaged two ninety three point five off the tee, and I was thirty third on tour. Um, I know at the end of last year I was two ninety six point five, almost two ninety seven, and I was one hundred and thirtieth on tour. So, and my pretty much swing speed and ball speed have stayed the same. I've been able to hover around 170, 171 and 115 mile an hour club head speed my whole career. And so that's a big goal of mine. It's why I get up at five every morning. I'm on the Peloton for 30 minutes. And then I go to the trainers here at Premier Fitness and I'm doing all my stretching and all our, our core work and speed work and just doing as much as I can to, to stay there for as long as possible. And like I said earlier, you kind of like, you understand okay, now I got to tighten up my wedges. Like I need to make a world-class short game, a world-class wedge play because I'm giving up, you know, I'm giving basically giving up strokes on my distance. So I need to tighten up other realms of my game in order to stay out there. And so um, that's kind of what I've done through my 40s here and and uh, will continue to do. And like I said, as, lo as long as I can. What do you, uh, you know, enjoy doing, you know, before, before we started recording, you mentioned you got about eight weeks off, I think, uh, before we head yeah. into next season, what are you doing in your downtime? Um, you know, what, what's kind of the fun things for you to do other than getting up at 5 a.m. on the Peloton, uh, <laughs> which, which is not something I would do, but, uh, you know, did you, did, did you watch the match? Um, you know, did you, what, yeah, what are you doing? I turned it on. I turned the match on. I made it through the cupcakes and then I turned it off. <laughs> so I really lost interest after the cupcakes. Um, and Which was on, on the football. first tee shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, mad at myself. I had tickets to that Duke game. And, you know, I've been gone six out of eight weeks. The wife kind of said, ah, Kev, you sure you want to go to Vegas for a night to go to the Duke game? And I was like, yeah, I do. And then she's like, you sure you want to? And then I had some friends who kind of bailed on me last second. So I ended up staying home and, watching that game at home but i mean man what a what a basketball game they they had and what how good does duke look being an alumni there i obviously follow a lot of duke basketball but but asking your question i did make it a one week without touching a golf club and then actually i went today to whisper rock to hit a few balls just because i was extremely bored and our minds just work like oh maybe if i change this or try this you know it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the summer or the middle of the winter like i'm still mentally like i go crazy and just love working at this game so I did go hit a few today, but, um, you know, it, it is taking it pretty easy. It's a ton of time with the kids. I love taking them to school. I love picking them up. Red has my son, Red has flag football today. So I'll go watch that. And we'll probably cook out on the grill tonight and have a nice glass of wine with my wife and just kind of really enjoy being, being home. 
this December month is just the greatest. We were going through the whole calendar and we went to a light show last night where you drive through and they play all the Christmas music and the kids are hanging out the side of, you know, watching oh, yeah. all the, the, that's all the, the good stuff that I really prioritize this time of year. So it's, it's just a ton of family time and, and I, I love it. Good. Do you do any, do you do any tinkering with the equipment around this time of year? I know a lot of guys like yeah. to do that. Yeah. We could dive down that golf nerd hole pretty far if you want. <laughs> I, I, uh, I did go 46 inch driver four or five events this fall. I played six events. I think the first four I did 46 inches and I was hitting it pretty far. I got up to like 307, 308 average, um, gained a few miles an hour speed, but driving accuracy is for the last 15 years on tour, last 25 years of my career has been like my bread and butter. It's yeah. where I'm kind of where I make my, my, my money. And it slowly just saw a few shots I didn't like, or it was accustomed to seeing. So at Sea Island, I'd ping the driver I've used. I had him cut it down to 45 and kind of go back to old faithful. And I, I drove it on a string, like in Sea Island, it was, it was noticeable that that's where I need to be 45 inch finished. So I'm actually, after we're done, I'm going to head down to ping. They made me up a backup, the old shaft, uh, the right head, like just kind of going back to what I know. So I do that. I play the same three wood and five wood forever. I switched the new Wilson uh, CG irons are just amazing. Um, loving those and Wilson wedges. And it's funny. I got an old Scotty putter. I got it right here. Actually, I'll grab it. This thing is yeah, like got it. 14 years old. And this is actually the one I use. Yeah, I'll show you guys this whole golf nerd uh, setup down here. But this is like a, just off the rack, beat up old studio stainless. Um, mm -hmm. probably on eBay, you'd maybe get $20 for it, but that'd probably be pushing <laughs> it a little bit. And it's funny cause I've had this same grip on since I've had it. And I just noticed at Sea Island, the top started like spinning a little bit on me. So I take it to my buddy, Aaron at cool clubs. Who's like the only person who touches my clubs. He's just, a, he's a stud. And he goes, yeah, the, the tape underneath it is just disintegrated after <laughs> 14 years. So he goes, do you want me to try and save the grip? He's like, there's no chance I can. I go, actually please like this this is the putter i want travelers with i've birdied the last oh, seven wow. like this is this is my baby and so he sticks it down i'm like shaking i'm so nervous he sticks the <laughs> rod down there got the you know he's got the whole um they, they put the uh a pot, what's it called the, the spray down to kind of get yeah. it slip off and slowly he pulls it off we put new tape on it and, and he put it back on and i think i think we got it so i've nice. saved this grip from 14 years ago and um but I was nervous it would never look the same to me if I took the grip off. You know, like when you get the putter just right, you don't want to mess with it. Oh, yeah. And um, so I just picked this up about an hour ago, and I'm going to hit a few putts down here. But do you want me to show sucks. you the putter? Yeah, yeah, give us a tour. Hold on. Let me see yeah. if I can get so, you the whole screen. Hang on. Let's see if I can work you. Yeah, yeah. All right, now. Okay. Well, here's So we have a basement in, in Phoenix, which is kind of unique. But as you come down the stairs – I had this done, which is a super cool plaque. It's two letters from Arnie, one from Jack and one from Gary, and all signed by them. Um, you know, before Arnold passed, you'd get a, a letter and for each win you had on the PGA Tour, there'd be a letter waiting for you next the, the Tuesday at the next event and wow. um, signed by him. So like for Hartford, cool. it says, what a finish and a way to win a tournament. Congratulations, certainly are in order. Look forward to having you in our field at Bale next March. And then the Tampa one, um, that was an impressive finish for you yesterday at Ennisbrook. Great way to win your first tournament on tour. Congrats. I'm pleased to have you in the field here this week. Perhaps I'll have a chance to congratulate you again in person. Uh, that's so, very cool, man. That. 
and Jack, I, I wrote him a thank you note for letting me practice out at the Bears Club and gave him a little gift. And so he sent me back a thank you note. And then Gary sent us those when I played in Nedbank uh, down in South Africa. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of put those all together. That is awesome. But um, did, did yeah, Gary's so letter have any team? like swing tips for you? I know he loves to get <laughs> no, no, it's just some fitness, some fitness. He said, get off your butt and start doing some yeah. up. So, um, yeah, come down here. I got kind of a bunch of random clubs uh, and putters and leftover stuff. Yeah, that's uh, from Tampa. My first win there. The, the actual board that that they had it when I won. That's um, very cool. Bunch of cool memories, and I got a, some really cool Scotties. Bunch of old Newport twos and GSSs. Mm. See those there? there oh yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of different flavors there. Some mallets Ooh. over there, and some uh, like those. Mm-hmm. And a uh, bunch from the majors. Got the kids a bunch of teddy bears from that. Um, this is kind of a fun one. This is from. This is the best shot of my life. My caddy gave me this, AJ. Um, this was the back right pin on 13 at Tampa the year I won. I had a cut five iron from 194 uh, into the wind to a back right pin to about six feet, made the putt oh, to birdie. That's neat. Yeah. Went on to win the tournament, so that was cool. That's Wrigley sick. Field, I'm a huge Cubs fan. Yeah. All swag putters on this side. There's putter oh, yeah. head cover swag. Got all my Scotties over here. Mm. Um Pretty cool. And then uh, Hartford gave That's me this cool. gift as a signed Coach K jersey with seven. It's a Duke Duke jersey signed by Coach K. Seven, you know, commemorating the seven birdies I made to win. That's pretty sick. At Hartford. That's so awesome. That was a pretty cool, pretty cool gift. Yeah, it's got some fun stuff down here. Masters, uh, it's a gift they gave the players in the Masters, I think, in 15. It's a clock. Um, do, you have your, do you have a par three thing for the Masters? Yeah, I got that upstairs. Oh, it's upstairs. Um, that's uh, Hartford. That's a plaque that's at the at TPC uh, oh, that's in cool. Cromwell there that they put up. And then I just got a new TrackMan simulator put in. So I do a lot of work down here setting up uh, nice. different shots I want. And can throw football on that TV. And, yeah, it's kind of the that's man perfect. cave down here. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, it came out well, great. Everybody watching is extremely jealous of this man cave. I, tell you that. <laughs> I know I am. Come to yeah, Scottsdale and come hang out. Salivating. Golly. Yeah, I, I will definitely, uh, I'll have to go check that out with a good glass of yeah. wine, of course. Too. Yes. Yeah, we got some good wine upstairs. <laughs> um, hey, I, I got to ask though, you know, Bryson, everybody talks about, he's obviously pretty polarizing on tour. What Do you have any experience with him or, or thoughts? Bryson stories. Yeah, any good stories? I do have a few Bryson stories. I, I, um, <laughs> what do I say? He, um, I am amazed the changes he was able to make. Like it just to, to transform your body and your game to, to like understand where he could pick up strokes on all of us and to just go gung-ho headfirst into the distance into evolving his swing his body his diet like that's something i just can't do i'm not really interested in doing it but i i just couldn't do with being the father i want to be being the husband i want to be like he's just at a time in his life where he can do that and it's just so driven so passionate um i respect the heck out of him for for going down that rabbit hole and to seeing and becoming a major champion shortly after i mean it's really it really is incredible so that's what makes him unique. Like he beats to that drum of 
personal excellence. And there aren't many people that have that degree of drive and passion and willing to do what it takes in order to um, make it happen. And I just, I, I just think it's impressive. Whether you like them or not as a person, mm -hmm. I don't think it's insignificant to me. Like we're not, we're probably not going to share a bunch of meals together. But that being said, as a golfer and as a fellow competitor, of his I respect what he's done immensely. Is yeah, that politically I, correct enough for you there? Uh, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was hoping for a little, a little something, you know, controversial, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> I don't, I've heard that. I, I mean, I, I respect him too, though. I, you know, now DB, on the other hand, he might, you know, he could go off on a tangent. Oh, I respect him. I respect what he's done. We've talked about this professionally. Um, absolutely. I yeah. I don't think we're going to get anything controversial out of Streels here. Do you have yeah. any good uh, like interact funny interactions with Bryson or like head scratcher moments where you walk away and you're like what what did that guy just um, say? He, he did have a funny one. I remember we were playing together at Pebble on number twelve, the par three, and so this was when we were the books. Remember the books like weren't limited on their size, so they like like Paul Tesori with Webb had like that huge piece of paper and players <laughs> like he's like analyzing the putts. So Bryson kind of had one of those at pebble beach so i mean pebble beach let's let's be honest it is the hardest green reading golf course probably in arguably the world if not the united states like it's just wow you have to trust your feel your senses everything pulls to that ocean immensely like you're on the side of a cliff like it's it's a it's a massive feel golf course and so i mean bryson had this putt i'll never forget kind of straight up the hill on 12 and everything breaks hard to the left to, towards the ocean. And he's reading his deal. And he, I don't even know if he hit a good putt, but clearly the putt broke left. And in his book or his analysis, he thought it was straight or would go right. And he just had a little moment with his book at that time that <laughs> he, uh, he just, let's say he got the better end of the, the battle with him in the book. <laughs> and to me, I just, as a veteran who'd played Pebble Beach literally hundreds of times, I just know that that whole green breaks massively to the right to left. <laughs> I, it just it just was kind of a funny moment. You kind of had to be there, but it was like, you know, dude, you, you got to trust your senses and your feeling. You got to look to that big ocean over there and know that everybody yeah. kind of goes <laughs> yeah. that direction. There's more but to it. Than just clearly, he's won, he's won more than me and, and will make <laughs> a lot more money than I do in my career. But that being said... Um, no, I, I really do think deep down he's a, he's a good guy. And, and like I said, just passion and pursuit of excellence in golf is is really second to none. I mean, we really haven't seen that outside of you know, Tiger in a while. Like, it's just yeah. – to it's it's very single-minded, but, I, I mean, I respect it. To be able to do that is, is unique. And um, he's got the drive and the passion for it. So. Um. You know, you finished T29 on your first in your first year on tour at the U.S. Bank Championship in Milwaukee. Yeah, okay. you made Monday almost almost twenty two thousand dollars. Yeah, so I was the richest guy in the Midwest that night. There, there you go. Well, that's good. That, Coors that, Lights were on me. Yes. Well, that's that leads to my question because you know T29 will get you over fifty thousand now. But uh, do you remember <laughs> yeah. what you did with that money? Uh, oh, when you got it, did you splurge on anything in particular? Yeah. Well, I think I got a wedding ring. Yeah, I did splurge. <laughs> <laughs> I got a very, very important, uh, a very important piece of uh, splurge there. But that's um, good. I'll never. No, I mean that was. Gosh, I mean that was a that was a game changer for me. That was life changing for me. It it as a mini tour guy who literally was dead broke. Um, 
multiple times, <laughs> living out of my car, um, working at Kierland Golf Club down the street here for six. I made six dollars and fifteen cents an hour. Uh, I'd work six a.m. till one p.m. Have lunch, and then I'd play golf till dark every day. Work at Whisper Rock on the weekends just to to make decent money. Make about one hundred fifty bucks a loop or something, but saving to get into tournaments, saving for Q school. That finish at a PGA Tour event not only solidified my belief in myself that I could and did belong out there, but it gave me some resources to actually pay for Q school that year and to pay a few sponsors back who believed in me and and to, like I said, buy a wedding ring, just normal life stuff that, you know, people people look at the money that's made out there and it's, yes, it's incredible and it's life-changing, but, you know, there's a lot of times where you you give up and sacrifice quite a bit to, to get to that point. And it's the people that were with you in those moments that, um, that you have to remember and, and, um, appreciate, you know, on the other side of it. So I never have, and, and, uh, I've never forgotten those people. And to this day, a lot of them are my dear friends and, and my second parents to me, but, uh, it's, it's been a heck of a journey and a ton of fun. You really had quite the year at the majors this year. Um, yeah. you know, with, with coming down the stretch of the PGA, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you, you you wanted to get the job done, but it was you know such a good uh, such a good turnout there with a T8, then a T15 yeah. at U.S. Open, T19 at the Open. Like what what was it specifically that clicked for you this season around the major specifically? Yeah, uh, I mean clearly you got to play well to to finish there, but mentally I was just I was comfortable, I was uh, confident, I wasn't going to let those finishes, whether win, lose, or draw define me, if, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I was just comfortable. I was comfortable with the result. What I what, what I was like passionate about was enjoying the moment, was enjoying the present. And all of a sudden that changes everything when you're not you know, like, I mean, if you're, if you're like proud of something you've done in the past, like that's just your ego talking of how good you used to be or could be. If you're like thinking about the future, a lot of times that's just fear of what might happen, whether it's good or bad. And neither of those, it's bad energy on both sides of it. So it's like sweet performances and like really peak athletic performances are done in the moment and present. And um, sometimes we just freak ourselves out, right? I mean, especially those big tournaments, you're like, oh, it's a big tournament. And I played, I think I played in nearly 30 majors now. I finally got to a point. I hadn't had a top 10 in one. I was like, this is getting kind of silly. It's like, you know, if, I'm, if I, if I get there, someone's got to win, like, just go, go for it. You know, who cares? Just go for it. Whether I shoot 80 or 60, it's like, my wife's still going to love me and the kids are going to hug me. They don't care, but like, go for it. Because I don't want to look back. Like, what, what, back Tampa, what happened was the exact opposite of what happened the year before in Puerto Rico. And Tampa would have never happened if Puerto Rico hadn't happened. And what happened in Puerto Rico is I had a three-shot lead, was playing the best golf of my life, should have won the tournament by eight shots, and I played not to lose, and I ended up losing. And it just ticked me off, to be honest. It just it really pissed me off. I said, I'm not going to, again, allow myself to lose it myself. Like, if, I, if someone beats me, fine. If I don't play well that day, fine. But I'm not going to mentally give it away. That just infuriated me so tampa the, the you know next year and i come out in final day where no one thought i'd have a chance i said i'm gonna play to win this thing and i shot a bogey free 67 ended up winning the tournament but i was having so much fun i wanted to keep playing like i really did like it was over and i was just having a blast with my caddy and just was playing well so that was kind of the secret is i guess it's part maturity part age part just caring the right amount right i mean it's it's really yeah. enjoying the moment and being present in it and just 
trusting your trusting your work, trusting your talents, and um, and going for it. So I think we have. So your coach is is it Jake Therm? Jake is a good buddy of mine. We've worked together uh, okay. many years. He knows my game. He knows my game pretty well. Yeah. Okay. We have a we have a mutual friend with him, and we 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 did. I I I think we can say this, and and you'll be okay. I think you'll laugh at this. Uh, but we made a little meme about you um, when you were <laughs> when you were uh, uh, when you were looking to lead the you know to win the PGA because you know I mean everybody's looking at Brooks and oh my God Phil's gonna take this down and so we we did this but Jake really thought this was funny I'll see if I can throw it up here on the screen and hopefully you don't hang up on us <laughs> but it just felt like. <laughs> You know, we all know that guy who, like, how did he get her, you know? And I don't know. We felt like that was a pretty good piece of content, you know? And, uh, but anyway, Jake Jake thought that was pretty funny. And uh, I think he showed it to you. Did he show it to you? I actually have not seen that. No. You don't remember? <laughs> no. Well, I appreciate you showing it, though. Well, yeah, we, we wish you would have, man. We wish you would have. Was that, was that just uh, – because, you know, if you would have won, we wouldn't have to deal with all Phil's insufferable, uh, you know, <laughs> ego, self-ego stroking uh, at every possible turn. Um, yeah. What uh, what was that like, by the way, like just in the madness playing in front of what was going on with Brooks and Phil behind you yeah. on Sunday? I was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, I mean, I buried the first two holes. I was tied to the lead yeah. in the third yeah. tee. And um, that's one shot I wish I had back was third tee shot. That's where it kind of hit me where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm mm. leading a major on Sunday. And I kind of, it's, it was a perfect three wood. It had the tee up and it was downwind. I mean, the number was like 285, 290 front, but you had some junk you had to cover at 260. I mean, with the help and wind, it really wasn't in play for a three wood. And I kind of just hit a don't hit it left three wood swing and hung it out to the right. And it caught in that sand hazard area and, and made a made a bogey there and kind of, if I, it was a perfect club. If I just rip it, it probably goes on the green and um, who knows what happened. But I kind of lost some flow there and, and made some nice saves. Uh, it was a solid round of golf. Um, I, I was proud of, gosh, 16. I, my ball at six iron into that par five was like, if that's a yard right, that's a kick and eagle. And it kicks down to the left. And, mm. um, and I didn't get that up and down. And then I kind of knew I wasn't going to win there. But um it was fun. I mean, play with Louie. We were, we were just neck and neck all day. He finished. Yeah. Uh, he got me in the end and then Phil hung on there and, and he played great. Um, it really was, it was an incredible championship. I think it'll, it's a historical championship clearly for Phil, yeah. but to see the, to see the fans, it, it felt like, you know, we had full fans out there. We had energy, we had screaming and excitement and a great, great golf course. It was set up just brilliantly by the, by the PGA. But yeah. uh those are what we it's it's what we do it for you know it's it's like to be in those moments and see what you got and some days you got it and some days you don't and either way you wake up the next day trying to get better so um i don't know i i loved it i loved every second yeah. of it and uh i hope i can get back in that heat on a sunday again what are what are we missing i guess on a course setup like that where we may only look at distance of the course but then somebody 
and not that you're a short knocker by any means, I'm a true short knocker, but somebody that's shorter off the tee is going to be able to compete and, and win there like you almost could do. Like, what's something we're missing with a course setup that we need to, we should be looking at instead of just length when we see such a, a beast of a course like Kiowa? Yeah. So, so clearly you're talking about gambling advice, right? So, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was, yeah, I technically can't talk about that. But uh, if I were, I would say, you know, it's funny thing. Like you look at someone's history on a golf course, it's pretty darn accurate. You know, clearly you think of Freddie Couples at Augusta. He finished like top six there for 30 years straight, it seemed like. Like some of some courses, we just like they don't look as challenging to us. Hartford, to my eye, it just suits like the, the hard holes don't look hard. I go to a course like Honda. The hard holes look impossible. Like, how do you make a par on that golf hole? Like, <laughs> our guy, Matt Jones shot like 61 or 62 at 20 mile an hour. Wind. Like, that's not possible on that golf course. But um, it's just kind of funny. It's it's individual. And I think it's relatively consistent year after year. The, the tricky ones are you just don't know when the putter is going to heat up, right? I mean, it's like there's certain weeks you just can't miss. And there's certain weeks you just you can't hit the hole from three feet. And it, that's just golf. So it is hard to predict those. I would say, look at players like flows, right? Two, three, four week stretches. How's that energy going? How's that like play? How's that play going? Is it going to last forever? Clearly not. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of maybe get on somebody and then you got to kind of back off here after a few weeks. But, um, and also some players, you know, maybe if they got a big win or something, they kind of take it easy for, for a few months after that too. There's, you know, there's certain players who go different ways with that. Some hammer down and say, I'm playing well, I want to win again. And you got other players like, eh, got my win. Let me go drink a little wine with my friends and um, <laughs> take a little breather. So well, does, does that, that definitely not answer your question well enough? But uh, no, that's, that's interesting. And that does lead into a couple, a couple of questions I had already. Um, so thinking about like when you, when you talked about looking at their, last three or four events which obviously we do and you know we we would call that all right what kind of form are they in right sure but i think sometimes for us you know or for the for the casual golfer or golf fan playing DraftKings or doing whatever like what we think is good form or bad form i think sometimes a tour player would be like are you freaking kidding me man like i'm still doing just yeah. fine so like the question is what does good form mean to you so can you can you be in good form if you're coming off of a miscut or back-to-back -back miscuts yeah. and how do you 100%, 100%. know, how do, how do you know when you're in good form? It's, it's, it's a great question. I would never, I don't think one time in my 15 years on PGA tour, would I say I'm playing bad right now? Just mentally, personally, like I can't think yeah, that that's way. Good. That, well, Cause I just can't have years. success. So I think that's probably a good thing. Well, to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, but you know what I mean? Like mentally as an athlete, you can't have that sort of self-belief. So in my mind, I'm either playing really great or I'm on the verge of playing really great. But that's, that's how I Love that. would, would, that's how I look at it. And so clearly, yeah, there's things I need to work on or there's things that aren't as tight as I want them or that I got a few bad breaks last week. Like it's close. It's always, always close. So, and then sometimes you're in the flow where you almost don't even realize you finish in three or four top tens in a row or something like that. It's just, it's not that you're playing differently than you are. If you miss some few cuts in a row, you're just making a couple more putts at the right time. Or all of a sudden you're like, you're on a course you really like, and you're just kind of comfortable. And 
maybe maybe your family's in a really good spot that time and you're just kind of like yeah. enjoying your your time out there like it's just you know what i mean it's just there's different yeah there's different it's life right it's just it, there's different uh different strokes gained home life seasons seasons of life yeah i mean it really is true and so uh yeah it's hard to just it's hard to know when it's gonna click either way but um i would start with yeah past performance on the golf course yeah probably the week or two before you can even see like strokes gained maybe um in certain you know pick out certain strokes gained statistical uh yeah. what do you call them you know you know different measures and then just kind of see if we've had improvement or or you know which which way are you going with those Trending. strokes gain approach and strokes clearly we know the most important ones are are but their approach you know per green is the most important one for for success for us out on the pga tour so see how someone's kind of doing the past few weeks and trying trying to do some analysis in that that way yep we do it every week man every single <laughs> week so um for you specifically what are the courses that are out there on tour right now that you you kind of every year i mean obviously you mentioned uh, the event in uh cromwell connecticut for the hartford um mm -hmm. what are those courses that you just circle and go man like this is this is my spot when you get there it's like this is where i have the best shot of, of taking down that third pga tour victory yeah. um i don't look at it like this is where i'm gonna play well but i do have spots where i love getting off the airport or getting off the airplane and getting into that airport. And, um, Hartford is one Hilton head is one, uh, Tampa is one. The players is one. Um, it's funny. Cause I asked, I, I always tell people I can play great at the players championship and I, I finished second to tiger there in 13. And I looked at my, my, um, performance there the last seven or eight years i don't think i've made the cut since 2013 <laughs> like literally 14 through 21 well I no 16 seven years in a row. 16 and you 17 got there? you finished 72nd and 74th yeah i mean i was right there I was right there in the hunt yeah <laughs> <laughs> it looks like uh yeah. it looks like since the runner-up the the putting has left you at, at uh at the players yeah, based definitely. on your strokes gain data it's really been the putter yeah it's well, it's, it's fascinating mentally because I literally think that that's a great golf course for me. I really do. Mm -hmm. Like, I just like that it suits my eye. I've got great memory. Like, but yeah, my, my, my finishes there have not been strong, but I, that's another place I love getting to. It is like our major. It's our PGA tour major. They take great care mm -hmm. of yeah. us, our families. Uh, we stay at a great little condo right near the water. I mean, it's, it's an awesome week, but, uh, yeah, I would say that's one of my favorite weeks, but I tend to leave on, on Friday night or Saturday morning. 2022 so, is the year. Okay, 2022 is the year. We're going to turn that around. The first one, up to, first one up to 20 mil, so it'd be a good week to now. Well now you can turn it on. Yeah, yes. now it's I was time. waiting, waiting. For Finally, it. the money is where it should be. <laughs> yes, yes, I yeah. feel now it's About damn the, time, yes. Jay. Yes. Um, <laughs> how, last question, then we're going to get you in the native area with some quick, some quick hitters here. Um, you just kind of be in there for, you know, for 15 years and a staple on the PGA tour, like how involved are you as a veteran in big picture decisions that the tour makes? Are you on the pack? Are you, yeah. um, involved in these scheduling things, PIP money, the betting landscape is having the yeah. PGA tour make a lot of decisions, green reading books going away, all that stuff. How, how involved are you in, in some of that? Yeah, I've been, I've been very involved. I've been on the pack, uh, which, which listeners might not know. It's, there's a 16 player council, a player advisory council. 
you're elected by your fellow uh, peers out there and, and appointed by uh, the tour as well. I think I've been on that 12 of my 15 years on tour. Wow. I love being on it. It comes to like three, four, five meetings a year, usually at a tournament spot for an hour and a half or two hours. We just sit down and talk about uh, important issues. Sometimes not that important, but sometimes very important issues. And we just kind of uh, air it out and kind of say what we're feeling. We're trying to represent the whole uh, tour body and, and kind of figure things out. The next step on top of that is the policy board. That's the PGA Tour board, PGA Tour, you know, uh, board of directors. And we have four spots on that. That's elected one new player each year for a three-year term. And I was elected there in 2018. I was on the board 18, 19, 20. Um, kind of came off right before the craziness of COVID. So I was lucky in that regard. But wow. um, it was that was fascinating to me. I loved it. I love the relationships. Uh, the, our our board members, some incredibly influential and, and brilliant people who, who support us, who've got our back, whether it's long-term investments, whether it's what to do with our reserve money, whether it's the TPC network. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into the PGA Tour and seeing, kind of pulling the screen back and seeing a lot of that as a player. And, and as a, you know, I was uh, always interested in school and went to a nice university and kind of like enjoy that business side of the sport. And so I got a good, good view of that. And who knows in the future what that could hold in, in my professional life. Well, good luck. Good luck being on the board with Kisner and getting anything done, right? Our boy Kisner. Yeah, sure he's, he's done sure a good job. Up. I've been impressed with Kisner. He is. That's, that's yeah. good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Maybe he's growing up a little. Maybe he's finally growing <laughs> I think, up. A little I bit. think a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're going to take you into the native area. All right. So when okay. we're, we're when we're looking at the PGA Tour app and we're following players. Uh, you know, you have the shot tracker. Now, usually you are not in the native. He's area. never in the native. You're area. never in the native area, not but now often. we're going to, we're going to put often. you in there. Okay. Cause you, you never know what you're going to get. So until he hit. put that 46 inch driver in his hand, then he got, <laughs> yeah. the native area. got a few native area. How'd I hit it there? Yeah. So here we go. What is your hidden talent? Guitar. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. I like that. Um, your favorite guilty pleasure artist or band to listen to? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's that guilty, but I love Justin Timberlake. Oh, okay. Is that guilty? I'm, I'm, all right. Nah. I'm I mean, okay with that. Yeah. In sync days, yes. Now, no. <laughs> I, think I think you're good. Yeah. Yeah. What was the first live concert you ever went to? And also, what, what, was, what was the yes. most recent one you've been to? Yes. Um, gosh, I was a huge Dave Matthews nerd, like through the whole nineties and early two thousands. I mean, it was a ton of Dave Matthews shows. I think my first one actually was a band called the samples. Oh, you guys don't know the samples. I know know the the samples. samples? Yes. Heck yeah. I love them. Great, great band, great traveling band and fascinating. A young girl got on stage yodeling, opening up for him. And it was Jewel. Talking like 1992 or 93 or something. Wow. 14, 15 years old. Jewel, one of her first shows. Open up for the samples. Yeah, wow. I was sitting there in the first row. Crazy. That was. Uh, I, I was a big samples fan too. So I, they're I'm great. Making, um, they're great. Never heard. I, of them. Never, I never thought that I would that I would hear that as an answer. Um, <laughs> Pat, I feel like this is when I feel like the connection that you just felt with Strills right there was what I felt when I asked Harold Varner his favorite funny movie, and he said Pootie Tang, and yeah. me and him, me and him shared that. <laughs> I feel like the same thing just happened uh, with you good. and Strills and the samples. Rank yourself in terms of funniest guys on tour. 
And who is the or who would you oh, say is the gosh. funniest? Yeah, but you got to rank yourself too. He's yeah, rank yourself. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I can be a pretty good smart aleck. I uh, I like to give it to the young guys pretty good when they're um, when I hit it inside of them. Like I said, when they drive away past me, I'll probably give a little something to them there. But um, I mean, as far as a co- a comedic round of golf, I would say one of my funniest was Pat Perez and Charlie Hoffman three of us together. I mean, it is so much under your breath, like nice shot when you really hit a bad one, or like, <laughs> nice spot when you miss like a four footer coming off the green, nice putt there. Like it is nonstop with those two. Um, so I would, I would say those two are up there. Not quite mean, but very, very funny, but I'm very right close. on the verge of being yeah. too mean, but uh, really enjoyable to play with. Yeah. What is your most memorable caddy story that you've got? 15 years, man. You got to have a good go to uh, yeah. caddy Gosh, story. Like a funny one, a good one, a serious one. I think a good um, one, a funny one. Yeah, we don't want this. You know, it's one. a, I'll tell you, I was actually telling today, it was a, and I don't even know if he'll, he'll remember it, but on the 18th tee at Tampa, my caddy at the time, AJ Montesino, he, gosh, we had a, we had a great run for five years. We're on the we're on the I birdie 17 to a back right pin to get a two shot lead over Boo Weekly. All I needed to do is bogey 18 at Tampa to win my first PGA Tour event. So I am like clearly freaking out. Grab driver, kind of go back to him. I'm taking a while on the tee, and I go, dude, we just need bogey to win. Why don't we just hit hybrid down there? I could flip like five or six iron up there. We can hack it on the green and two putt and win this thing. And he looks at me. He looks me right in the eye and he pulls the driver out. And he goes, hit this driver down the fairway. <laughs> and he, like his passion and his belief in me, like fired me up. And I stepped up and freaking <laughs> yeah. sent this thing straight down the pipe, had a flip wedge in and two putted won the tournament. Like it was, it was a dude. cool, good moment there. He, he yeah. stepped up. I was, it's something I'll never forget. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All right. What's your most memorable fan interaction? Oh, you get, you get some funny ones, especially like clearly at my level on the PGA tour. And I say my level because clearly I've been out there a while, but I haven't, I'm not like the most, you see me at an airport and you, you don't get recognized. Like if I get recognized, it's usually like a 12 year old to 14 year old kind of huge golf kiddo or like a 75 year old, like huge golf nerd. <laughs> like, you know, it's like the full titles deck out. And sometimes I just look at you and kind of point. Actually, I was buying my car the other day. There was a guy just like that. He's this big, big guy with this titles hat. He's just staring at me. And I'm like buying a minivan right in front of him. He's like pointing (laughs) at me. He goes, he's like, where do I know you from? And I go, are you a golfer? And clearly he's a golfer. He's got decked out head to toe. And he goes, wait, Kevin? Street? Street? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, man. He comes over. We chat for a little bit. So it's always like, it's great. I mean, we just love this game, right? It's, It's such a... It's so cool to be able to share it with others, to teach others, to show our children now, to like, to give back. Um, it's really, it's really cool. But our fans are the best. Our volunteers are the best. Our fans are the best. And it's just going to grow with like Netflix coming in next year. And yeah. um, the, the, the worldwide talent level of the game of golf is just astronomical right now. So um, it's going a great direction. So you don't get heckled too much then. No, no heckling of No, man. <laughs> I've uh I make it through there pretty good. You play in the Pebble Beach Pro Am, I guess every year now with Larry Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's our uh, fifth or sixth, sixth time. Yeah. And you've won twice? Yeah, two times. Um, now, some may say this. I, I did, I'm not saying this, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this. Some may say this. Go ahead and say it. Could you consider or say that Larry Fitzgerald, Fitzy as I like to call him, is a yep. sandbagger? <laughs> is, is he a sandbagger? I will say this about Larry Fitzgerald. And <laughs> when you meet him and know him, he is the most kind, honest, like inspirational person you will ever come across. And he posts every single score. <laughs> if you, if even like a ball moves in a bunker that no one would see, I promise you Larry will call himself on that penalty. And when he first got in the AT&T and we finished second, um, he got so like, and then we won the next year. We went second and then first. He got so much crap from everybody about like, and, but he hadn't played golf long enough to really understand like what that all meant. Yeah. And so yeah. he was like, sorry, my AirPods just going dead. You still hear me? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, he was just so embarrassed by people claiming he would do something like that. Literally, <laughs> the the year after we won, if you look at our score, I think we may have finished last. Like he was just. He was mortified that people would think that of, of him. And, uh, but the biggest difference with Larry, his handicap is true, but he doesn't scared of that situation. Like he isn't scared of leading a tournament. He's, he's not a nervous gamer. of leading a tournament. He's a, yeah, he's yeah. a gamer. Absolute gamer. Like I've never witnessed before. And the other thing is he's pretty darn good inside of 150 yards. And they set the course up at like 6,000 yards for the AMs during the AT&T. He hits his irons. 15 yards longer than I do. So he just hits three and four irons off all the par fours. He's got wedges into the holes. They had him at a eight or nine handicap last time, which if you see him hit a driver, you will say he's at least a 15 handicap. Um, <laughs> but out there, we just have him hack around three and four irons. His caddy, uh, our guy Zabo, Mike Zabo, caddies on those greens 300 days a year and just tells him where to putt. Mike putt or Larry putts in there. And we've had a great run. So. No one's ever won three, but I think they're going to put him in like a two handicap next year. So <laughs> I will say one other thing. I do think I made 26 birdies the last one. We well, won, that helps. So that helps. That was, uh, that kind of helps the score a little bit. 26 yeah. birdies. That's, yeah. uh, it may have been 24 birdies in an Eagle. I think it was, but well, it was, uh, I played pretty well that, that year. We fin- I think I finished second and he, he, um, he contributed on what well, we finished 34, 35 under. So nine, nine other ones. Well, I, I'm glad we can put that all to bed. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I think I think I think Fitzy yeah, is. We squashed the rumors. All right. Life uh, after golf. Yeah. What's what's your dream scenario? Life after golf. What would you yeah. What would you do? It's a great question. Um, I I do want to give the Champions Tour a good run. I think I would love it and enjoy that. Also, my kids will be starting high school around that time, so mm-hmm. I don't want to be gone a ton. They might not want me around very much, so maybe maybe it will work out well. <laughs> But I would love to do that for a few years. And honestly, I would love to do some sort of teaching and academy, potentially. I, I love helping kids. I love, like, like I've seen, you know, being the big brother to some of these younger players out here, whether it was like an agent role, whether it was a, um, a more of a teaching role. But I think I could bring kind of the whole package to really good young yeah. players as far as what it would take to get out there and then what it takes to stay out there once you get out there. And so um, that's something I could maybe see in the future, but I hope I can still have a few more 
good years here on tour, but uh, you do start thinking about that as you get a little bit older, for sure. Yeah, that that agent thing that that makes me. I mean, again, with the Duke and the business background and all that, that that'd be right up your alley. That sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think I could enjoy that. Um. All right, not Pat Perez, not Charlie Hoffman, not Joel Damon, not Kevin Kisner. We know those guys. Hidden gem personality on the PGA Tour. Like, hidden gem. Like, man, more people need to be around this guy. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite is Gino. I mean, Joel's caddy. Yeah. Clearly. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. the best. He's just the greatest yeah. dude ever. And you mentioned Harry. Harry's a legend. Yep. Legend. Um, Harry Higgs. Uh, golly. There really aren't too many that I – you get paired with, you get the text with your groups that I'm like bummed about playing with. If anything, it's just like slow play players, but most of them I still enjoy like talking with and getting, getting to know them because so many of us grew up playing against each other. Or, oh, I say that now, a lot of the guys I played, <laughs> played with kinda aren't anymore, but um, I mean, Chez, Chez Reeve, is a great dude. He lives right near me. Uh, here. We have a, we have a ton of, ton of fun together. He's a, He's a good smart smart ass too. <laughs> um, but I mean Max home is hilarious. I love Max. Yep. Uh Tony Finau is the greatest dude in the world, just a class act of a of a human being. But even like when they were coming out, those young guys, I call them young guys, but I mean the Justin, Jordan, Rickies, I mean, those just you can tell they just were raised well. They just like are good people. And um I always like root for them just because clearly the passion they showed in the Ryder cup, you know, they love the country. They love the tour. They love like what they do. And it just kind of shows. And I, mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. It's like seeing caliber of people and um, what they represent and how they represent it is important to me. What's your go-to tiger story, man. So my rookie year, um, I was right in the middle of the reshuffle. So, I got in about 30 events of the West 30 events. I'm sorry. I was 30th out of 50 in the, that category. So you don't necessarily like, you're not going to get into Phoenix. You're not going to get into Riviera. You're going to get into maybe Hawaii, maybe Tory, and you'll definitely get into Pebble. So there's a lot of pressure on a rookie because you don't know how many events you're going to get into. So I just get into yeah. Hawaii, my rookie year, make the cut top of the world. Don't have a great weekend. I go to Palm Springs, miss the cut. I go to Tory Pines and I'm fourth alternate. So I get uh, I get a tap on my shoulder Thursday morning from a rules official and say, Kevin, you're in. Get to the south course in seven minutes. Me and my <laughs> caddy are like running out there. Get to the tee, out of breath. Long story short, I shoot 69 on the south. Next day, like 66 or 67 on the north. I'm leading the golf tournament. This is 2008, and I'm watching. I'm done early. I'm watching Tiger's name come up, come up, come up, come up. He finishes the day tied with me. I get a final round, final group pairing with Tiger Woods Saturday of Torrey Pines in 2008. I mean, I didn't, I slept like an hour that night. Like literally Courtney and I were just freaking out. And I'll never forget like walking off the putting green to the first tee and it's just a mob of people, tens of thousands of people. And I remember Tiger had a black vest, purple shirt on, obviously all the Nike stuff. And it, I shot a 73 or 74 that day as a rookie and third event as a member. It was the greatest experience I could ever have as a professional golfer. Like everything since then has seemed smaller to scale. But 
the the shot I remember on number eleven is the par three at Torrey Pines. It's it's a two tier green. It's got a back left shelf, back right shelf. They always put one pin on each one and then two in the front. Saturday was a back left pin. Wind was slightly off the left, and we were up one tee box. I had the honors, and Tiger was a full club longer than me, and it was about 200-yard shot. I had a beautiful five iron to the middle of the green. It sticks, kind of spins back. I've got 25 feet up the hill. I get a really nice clap. Like, it was a great golf shot. The greens were super soft. Like, literally, long irons were just hitting and sucking back. Tiger, at this point, I think was like four or five under on the day and had a six-shot lead for the tournament. So it's Saturday, he's got a six-shot lead on the back. And he's just looking at his bag. He's looking down at his bag. And he pulls, I see him pull four iron. I'm like four feet away from him. I'm like four iron, it's way too much club for him on this shot. And doesn't even talk with Stevie. Walks up to the, and look at his grip. And he's like, literally, I'll pull it, show you. Like he's gripping to here. Like his, his, his pointer finger is on the steel. That's how much he's choking up on this four iron. He proceeds to hit this like hold cut four iron. It starts in the middle of that left bunker. The wind pulls it to the pin. It lands at the base of the hill, goes up the up the back hill to the to the pin, and literally lips out on the top side and stops like a foot on the other side of the hole. <laughs> and the place clearly is going bananas. And he looks up at Stevie and just winks. And I knew in that moment he had hit the exact shot he wanted to hit that he needed to hit to get to that pin because five or six iron for him would have hit and spun down the hill. The only way he could get to that pin was to hit four iron. And the only way he could knock off enough club was to choke up and to hit a cut. And he did it all perfectly and he lipped it out and he had a six shot lead. Like it was the coolest moment to be literally like four feet away from someone at the upper echelon of excellence, pulling it off in the biggest stage. And it's just, it was the best shot I've ever seen. And it's a shot I'll, I'll never forget. And it was just like a Saturday afternoon um, with Tiger. Jeez. That's unreal. Yeah. We got to end on that. that I cool. can't, I can't take yeah. it. Yeah. That, that was, yeah. Yeah. that was good. That is awesome. <laughs> great story. Well, Kevin, you've been great. We appreciate you coming on oh, my the pleasure, podcast. Um, just a lot of great insight. You are a quintessential gentleman and uh, that was some funny stuff too. So we really appreciate that and your time. I know oh, we probably you. went a little longer than we told told them you were going to go and that's what happens we do that happens yeah. all the time with my them. kids are waiting at school it's no big deal they just sit there <laughs> oh, for a little longer <laughs> <laughs> uh oh <laughs>